Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gill here with Mike Renner, live from Los Angeles, back in my neck of the woods, California living, baby. Going to do some reactions to the head coaching hire, some reactions to Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kuyper Jr.'s latest big boards. It's going to be a jam-packed show. I also want to get into what we're going to do in L.A. It should be quite the week. Let's get it. Before we get into anything, some big news on the pod. Yeah. Some massive news on the podcast. We have elected to be roommates. Yes. <laughs> We're yes. investing in the content. Someone had to do it. Whose call was it initially? Purely was it yours for, or mine? Uh, I don't even know who floated it out there. I can't remember now. But it was purely to make this podcast better. Yeah. Okay. I obviously didn't want to actually live with you. No. But I, for, the, for you guys, for the Gators, I said, I love bite Gators. the bullet. To get some better content for you guys. What do you, okay, if you had, so we're moving into a two-bedroom apartment on the banks in Cincinnati. It's the same building that you were in, or the same complex that you were in, but just a two-bedroom now. Yes. What are you most worried about? What are you most excited about? Well, I'm a little worried. I mean, we got a test run over the past week at the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl, and you trimmed the face and the left hair all over. You had the smelliest <laughs> shoes I've ever seen in my entire that life. That was rough. That was from, rough. But I, in your defense, you were like on your feet for like 50 straight hours with the red-eye flight, but... I think we'll be good. Uh, you, you, I, I assume you're clean enough to. I, I've had some bad roommates in the past. I mean, my college house, literally, we pulled out. We had a dog, and we my none of, like my roommate who had the dog didn't really wasn't too attentive to it. Mm-hmm. And we pulled out one of the couches once, and there was just lying of dog shit behind the couch. <laughs> and so like the place smelled bad enough that that dog shit didn't even like move the no way for no it. So yeah. Way. So yeah, this is uh. You can't be that bad. I've learned some bad ways. I haven't had a roommate since college, okay. and the last time I did, we threw a party in college, and some chick threw up in the middle of the hardwood floor, mm-hmm. and there were so many people there that it just got stamped around and moved oh. around to a point where like it wasn't even cleanable. It just became a part of the apartment or the house that we were in. I'm hoping we don't get to that level, but I am excited. Oh, well. I think I think our meals could be good. We got two air fryers, we got two blenders, we got two food processors. We could turn into Gordon Ramsay and shit. It should be pretty pretty sweet. Let's get into the coaching buzz. Now. Yeah, catch an early buzz, starting with all of the coaching hires that we've seen. I want to start with Chicago Bears. Matt Eberflus, the defense coordinator from the Indianapolis Colts. The Denver Broncos grabbed Nathaniel Hackett, offensive coordinator from the Green Bay Packers. Brian Dable of the Buffalo Bills is going from Josh Allen to Daniel Jones with the New York Giants. Raiders obviously hiring Josh McDaniels to the New England Patriots. Kevin O'Connell from the Minnesota Vikings. And then Jaguars, Doug Peterson. Some stability in Jacksonville. Yeah. And then obviously with the Dolphins, they just recently hired Mike McDaniel, the, I think, OC with the San Francisco 49ers and the Houston Texans today. Announcing former University of Illinois fighting a Lion Eye legend, Lovey Smith. Saints are the only opening with Sean Payton retiring left to go. Your immediate reactions, I want to hear your best hires. I remember last time we did this, you said Urban Meyer was your favorite hire of the yeah, offseason. Let's see where you're going. <laughs> I, I will say I like the Jays getting Doug Peterson. I don't think that's my favorite hire. I think my favorite hire of the bunch is honestly Mike Daniel to the Dolphins. I think the f- more the fit with him and Tua. Mm-hmm. I think that is the perfect sort of system for him to excel in. He's very accurate. He throws with good timing. Yes, he makes some ugly decisions. Like, to me, he's like a more accurate Jimmy G, who, like, if you give him that layup, he's not going to miss it. I think Jimmy G's, obviously, biggest downfall was too many missed layups yeah. in that San Francisco 49ers offense. So, obviously, San Francisco or Miami doesn't have quite the playmakers that San Francisco does, quite the offensive line, but I do think that system is ideal for Tua's skill set. Um, not, not a ton of these hires that I'd be too critical of. The only one that I would say 
is the obvious elephant in the room is Lovey Smith to Texans. Like, this is a dude who was not in demand. It, it was a surprise that he even got hired as DC in the first place for them. Um, now he's culture-wise, you know, leadership-wise, he's a very good head coach. But the the Tampa two obviously is out of vogue in the NFL, even though he was still running a lot of it last year with the Houston Texans. And to me, it just screams of they thought they could get a better candidate after, you know, they thought last year was kind of a reset year, but basically everyone else turned him down is what this screams to me. They had Brian Flores in for an interview. I'm guessing I've don't obviously have any inside info, but I would guessing be guessing that he would, he turned them down because I don't think anyone in their right mind at this stage in 2022, almost at 2021, is going to go Lovey Smith over Brian yeah. Flores. You're just not. You're yeah. just not. I, I honestly think you're reading the tea leaves right there. I think Brian Flores is probably the lead candidate for this job and then did not want this gig for yeah. whatever reason there in Houston. I mean, whatever reason. Well, you want to you list the reasons? <laughs> we like, can list the reasons, talent and all that stuff. For Lovey Smith, 89 and 87 as a head coach in the NFL, was a head coach at the University of Illinois from 2016 to 2020, and was hired by the Houston Texans in 2021 to be this defensive coordinator. Now, is the head coach of the Houston yeah. Texans. How and it's just a one year. Maybe contract. they're thinking, you know, hey, we saw what happened when Cliff Kingsbury got fired from Texas Tech mm-hmm. and then goes to Arizona. Let's let's get another Stop. college head coach who Stop. failed at a middling program. I, I struggle to even call Illinois a middling program. I grew up there. No one gives a shit about Illinois football. That's one of the worst <laughs> programs in the power five. But Brett Bielema's family. They won't even they won't even disagree with that. Um but Lovey Smith it's kind of just another punt hire. Yeah. It's just another punt hire. I mean, and that's evidence, too, in like they only offered him a one-year contract, right? They are not long-term committed to Lovey Smith. And the same thing... They offered they him a prove-it deal. <laughs> with the, but they did the same thing with David Culley, right? I mean, they agree on David well, Culley, yeah. and then they fire him after one year. Now Lovey Smith is only guaranteed one year on his first contract. They're they might have to looking, tag him after this. It's it's rough. It's rough. You hate you hate to see that for the Houston Texans. I think my favorite hire... Honestly, this offseason so far is Josh McDaniels, the Las Vegas Raiders. I think bringing in Josh McDaniels, the fact yeah. that he was able to also bring in Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator yeah, from the New staff. York Giants. I, I, I honestly think this Raiders team with Josh McDaniels and Patrick Graham is going to be significantly better, even if their talent only marginally mm-hmm. improves. I think they have a lot of pieces there. It's a reason they were in the postseason and nearly beat the Cincinnati Bengals, who are now here in Los Angeles for the Super Bowl. I do think we come away from this hiring rung. I don't even think that's a thing. Hiring cycle yeah. with Josh McDaniels and Patrick Graham is two of the best hires. And the only reason I'm not like screaming from the top of my lungs that Brian Dable is my favorite, I just don't love the fit with Daniel Jones. Like okay. I just don't know how this is going to pan out with Dable and Daniel Jones. I don't see similar skill sets between him and Josh Allen. Are they going to commit to a new quarterback after 2022? Are they going to try and get a quarterback this year, right? So I think Brian Dable, a lot of his success depends on the quarterback, and they just don't have an answer there right now, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I agree that I like both of those hires the, the one I will say and it's the one we actually we haven't talked about yet that I'm just very interested to see how it turns out it is the Doug Peterson one with the Jaguars because if they if they had come out after the season or not even after the season after they fired Urban Meyer and two weeks later announced Doug Peterson as their head coach it would have gotten round of applause as people would have been like yes the Super Bowl winner yeah. groomed Carson Wentz like this guy knows the quarterback position inside now you know learned under Andy Reid like this would have gotten rave reviews or even if they hired him last offseason it would have gotten rave reviews but like the process is still a mess there is the mm-hmm. problem and it's I think the biggest thing like the fact that Balky Trent Balky is still in place with Doug Peterson and how that dynamic is going to work out and if he still remains the GM with kind of even his track record since he's took over that's been pretty yikes to look at yeah that's the worrisome thing because I don't really have questions about Doug Pearson as coach. I think he's one of the best head coaches 
in the NFL, was one of the best head coaches available here. But sometimes organizations and head coaches fail not through or head coaches fail not through their own sort of shortcomings, as we saw with Bill Belichick in Cleveland. Sometimes an organization is still too much to overcome, and I worry about that with that hire there. One more piece of the catch an early buzz. Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals removes all the Cardinals stuff from his Instagram bio. Am I the only one who thinks this is dumb to even talk about? I don't. I, don't I like think this talking is a big about deal. this. Stuff. I don't. This is not a big deal. It's. It is. It's something though. Like it's not. Again, something has happened that obviously hasn't been talked about. I think Michael Jr. tweeted out something that uh, this is probably an elaborate Super Bowl commercial oh, that is in the works. That, I like that. I like that. I like that take. But there's that's way better than him being so petty that like he's like contemplating his Cardinals future and like that's the first decision you make. But I'm saying there's like what else? Like there is something though. Something is going on that is maybe with a high-profile player with a team that has not done great by him in a way. Like yeah. he is he has outperformed the rest of that sort of organization. And I'm just curious to see where it goes. It's just worth bringing up. And I think it could obviously just be contract posturing, too, for heading into if, year four now, wanting he's eligible for an extension, wanting that possibly. But I, uh, I'm i very curious to see what happens. If that is contract posturing, I am flabbergasted. I'd be embarrassed as an agent or anyone to speak on this in regards to, like, yeah, you know, Kyler Murray's thinking about leaving Arizona. Did you see his mm-hmm. IG bio where he has he has two posts on his Instagram? No, he's deleted two. all the other ones, though. Oh, That's really? He had other ones? I think I'm pretty sure that's why it's it's he deleted. It's under one. construction. I think it's a marketing play. I, I, if Could this be. is an Arizona Cardinals, he's getting a new contract. I think it's dumb. This is dumb. Got Let's it. get off this catch and early buzz and get to our presenting sponsor. It's actually DraftKings. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to one odds on either team. Bet just five dollars and get 200 dollars in. 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. DraftKings, well, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 on get and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code PFF at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 years or older, see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details for a li- full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. I DraftKings am- needs to. After the DraftKings read. They need to come off more draft props. All we got is number one overall pick. Yeah, I, I need where guys are going, over unders, how many wide receivers. Get on your shit draft. I made a, I made a lot of money betting props last year, draft props. I think it's it. Well, you're betting like who's going three, four, five. You know, one, two, three. Yeah. You can do a lot of that stuff, and like you'll get like plus seventy, plus seven hundred, plus seven fifty odds on the, guessing the exact picks in order, even just for like three or four slots in the draft. I do think I am excited for that. You know what we also need. Is Ohio to legalize sports betting? Yeah. I'm gonna like that cry myself to sleep every night. And same with LA. LA is not, you know, LA is not all that great. There's no, there's no sports betting here. You hate to see it. Off the, let's get overreach. into Daniel Jeremiah's latest big board. We love reacting to Daniel Jeremiah. Jeremiah's just saw him outside. Just saw him outside. How's he doing? He said Boye Mafe. That's all he said to me. I'm a huge Boye Mafe fan. I remember. When, so I talked to PJ Fleck when we were at the East West Shrine, or was it, no? We were at the Senior Bowl, and he said Boye Mafe is going to prove why he needs to be considered in the first round this yeah. week. And he has, I don't know if we're getting that point right, but I do think he proved that he's a lot better than maybe people thought well, going into the week. I was going to say, he definitely is because DJ didn't have him top 50 here. 
Oh, wow. Doesn't have him in his top 50, and afterwards he said he's first-rounder, which Boye Mafia did play lights out. Like, if, it was, if we didn't talk about Jermaine Johnson on the winner's pod, it would have been Boye Mafia because he was great. Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network, a big friend of the show. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Move the Sticks, and check out his work. Where I wanted to focus on first was his viewpoint on the offensive tackle class. Mm-hmm. Right now he has Ike Aquanu, the number one offensive tackle, and the number two overall player on his draft board. And then right after him is Evan Neal of Alabama. Those are his two top tackles. And there's a massive gap in his big board until you get to the next few. Trevor Penning at 25, the Northern Iowa offensive tackle who was beating everybody to a pulp at the Senior Bowl. Bernard Ryman of Central Michigan at 28. And then Charles Cross of Mississippi State at 29. Am I crazy to say that's the lowest I've seen anyone rank cross? That's the lowest I've seen anyone rank cross. the lowest I've seen anyone rank cross. Because, I mean, we're not going to talk about Seth Galina's mock draft. Uh, on this show, but we can bring it up in that he had him going number one overall. He loves Charles Cross. Yeah. He has him as OT1. I'm not going to say who is OT1 on the upcoming PFF draft board. It's going to drop next week that we'll talk about next week, but it's not going to be Evan Neal. I'll just say that. Really? It is going to be someone else, and it's not going to be Ike Aquano either. So you can then guess from there who it's going to be. But wow. I, I I think it's interesting how how greatly he has these tiered. He has a, a clear delineation between Aquano, Neal, and everyone else. Yeah. And I don't personally see it that way. Putting those guys two and three gives you kind of the impression that those are elite. Blue chip. Blue chip. And I think it's also indicative of the class that there's not a lot of guys that are. We've talked about this shit ad nauseum by now, that the class doesn't have the blue chip talent that we have in normal classes. But I also don't think those two tackles, like I said, it's a very good tackle class. I don't think those two tackles should be talked about or really any of the tackles in this class should be talked about in that Penny Sewell, Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas sort of air. My, my first reaction to this is honestly, Jeremiah, who's much more connected to the league than we are and talks to a lot of sources in the league, he knows something on Cross that we don't, right? Because even if you don't have Cross as your OT1, having him below guys like Penny and Raymond, for me, is a bit rich, unless there's something that we haven't seen, right? Because the tape, from a pure tape perspective and how much sample size you've seen him playing all those pass-blocking reps mm-hmm. at Mississippi State, I'm floored that he is this low. I I still I personally don't see it this way either. Maybe I don't have him over Neil. Maybe not over Aquanu. But Charles Cross, in my opinion, is one of the top ten, top twelve players in this draft. Yeah, I mean, Aquanu and Neil have freaky traits. I will say, in terms of athletic ability, with Neil obviously talking about three fifty and the way he moves to that size, rare. Aquanu, the power he plays with, rare. Cross doesn't have that, but to me, he kind of has that. The, the comp in the draft guide for him was Laramie Tunsil because just across the board, good. No weaknesses to his game, really, in what he can do physically. Like with Evan Neal, we've talked about his balance. With Aquano, we've talked about his feet. And that those guys have, like, glaring issues on tape. With Cross, there's not really any glaring issues. And I think that's yeah. what I covet more at the tackle position because you don't need utter dominance. Like, the, the freaks of nature, you don't necessarily need that. You just need across-the-board competency. And I think that's what Cross has, that more so than any other tackle in this class. We're going to bounce around a little bit back and forth between Jeremiah's top 50 and Mel Kuyper's top, I think, 32 and his positional rankings, how he sees the offensive tackle class, which I think will be, or I thought was, the national consensus or media consensus is Evan Neal, Aquanu, and Cross as the top three tackles. Yeah. Have them in which order you want, right? Do you want Cross, Neal, Aquanu, Aquanu, Neal, Cross, whatever it may be. Then he has... All the way down at seven, Bernard Raymond. Behind guys like Nicholas Petit-Friere of Ohio State and Daniel Falele of Minnesota, that is a ranking, even with some of the whiffs that we saw at the Senior Bowl where he didn't look like the best offensive tackle there, I feel like that's just too low. Which one? 
Ryman below Fall. Yes, okay, sorry, sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, This was obviously before the Senior Bowl, too, Mm -hmm. his rankings. Um, An interesting thing I found out at the Senior Bowl, not to get off uh, Raymond, because obviously I love Raymond, talked about him a lot, but it's about Nicholas Petit Freire and that he was eligible to go and opted not to go to the Senior Bowl. Didn't want to go to the Senior Bowl, thought he put enough on tape, which blows my mind. That's worrisome to me because if anyone, shit, anyone listening to this probably watched Michigan-Ohio State, and anyone who watched Michigan-Ohio State probably knows he didn't put great tape yeah. on that game. Like he, he didn't do necessarily enough against top competition in my eyes. And obviously the Penn State game as well against Arnold Abichetti was rough for him to where you can just opt out of the senior bowl and think you're going to be going for a second round. I, I do worry about that for him. I think it's fair to point out that this was done before the Senior Bowl for Mel Kiper Jr. I think you and could DJ, see both of them. Yeah, and you could see Raymond get above Friere and Falele after that week. And I think another thing too, Andrew Stuber, the Michigan offensive lineman, he has ranked as his 10B off the tackle. I don't think I saw him play a lick of tackle at the Senior Bowl, most exclusively guard. playing guard. So he probably kicks into guard. I do love how level. he goes top tens, and then he never had like an 8B, 8A, 8B. But all of a sudden, when it got to 10, you go ABC. always gets to 10A, yeah, 10B. you got to get the names in there. you got to yeah. get the names in there. I'm going to flip back to Daniel Jeremiah's board. I'm going to look at the cornerback class. Let's I think it. this is another, I think, fascinating area of this draft class and how people see it. There are a lot of people getting on this train that Derek Stingley Jr. of LSU is not the cornerback one in the 2022 NFL draft. And it's, in fact, Sauce Gardner of Cincinnati, hometown Cincinnati guy that's graded so well for PFF, has that insane stat. I think everyone and their mother has heard where he hasn't allowed a touchdown in his college career. He has him as the number five overall player, the cornerback one on his board. Doesn't get to Stingley as his cornerback two at number 12 on the board. That's going to be like, you probably were too young for this, but Brian McKinney coming out of Miami. I think he started three years at Miami. What was that? The 03 or 04 draft. All you heard about that draft Never allowed a sack in his college career. Never allowed a sack in his college career. No, like that was just every, really every time they bring up McKinney, never allowed a sack in his college career. That is going to be a my gardener this draft season. Never allowed a touchdown in his college career. It's true. And obviously, competition level plays a little bit of a factor into it, but like he was good from the rip. He was like year one freshman for Cincinnati, dominant. So, same thing with Derek Stingley. To me, Stingley's kind of the more translatable all around athlete. That's why he's cornerback one for us, but it's like, Dude, Sauce Gardner is a damn good prospect. Uh, yeah. you're, depending on your scheme, you can cover him. If you had him CB1, I wouldn't argue with you. I, these top three, Gardner, Stingley, McDuffie, honestly just take one of those guys. I think they're all worthy of top ten picks. McDuffie's not going to be everyone's cup of tea with his size. You know, Height thresholds isn't going to meet everyone's, but he takes every single box athletically that you could possibly imagine to where I'm not worried. Like, I, I'm – like I said, the comp for him that I've given is Jair Alexander in that he's just that elite of an athlete to make up for whatever sort of size concerns you may have. I'm interested to see how long his arms are. Because if he does, mm. can kind of clear this 30-inch threshold he, on the I, outside. Just looking at him, I would say he definitely clears 30 inches. He doesn't have that T-Rex-y-ish body. That, you like look up and down? How, well, how that like, you know, you got to see where it hits on mid-thigh. Mm. You got to see him standing up. Mm. Is he like... How long do I have? Is he getting right to like his, you know, cheeks? Is he still covered or is he below cheeks? If you're if you're on cheek, That's you probably have less than 30-inch arms. And which tape angle do you look at on? Is that broadcast? Just 
All 22. You're going to have to use the all 22. I, I get you. I get you. Sauce Gardner, quarterback one for Daniel Jeremiah. And then at 12, he has Derek Stingley at 13, Trent McDuffie. And where I thought there are these other big names would be going ahead of this next guy, I'm surprised. He has at 22, his quarterback four, the other Washington corner. Yeah. Who, when I got, and it's Kyler Gordon, another athletic freak coming out of Washington, that Jimmy Lake freaking monster generating a ton of cornerback talent out of there. When I talked to Trent McDuffie early in the offseason, or I think earlier this season, the only person we talked about the most is probably Kyler Gordon, right? He yeah. thinks Kyler Gordon is more athletic than even he is, and I think you can see that on tape as well. I think Kyler Gordon maybe isn't, again, another player that's not everyone's cup of tea, but the fact that he has him over Andrew Booth Jr. of Clemson, Roger McCreary of Auburn, Kyrie Elam of Florida, guys that I think we've consistently seen mocked at the back end of the first round, I do think gives Kyler Gordon, the freak out of Washington, some proper praise. Yeah, so he's – so it was like McDuffie played on the outside, whereas Gordon would flip inside in some games – and I think they liked how he played against the run. Uh, he's a physical dude at that size and very athletic. To me, coverage, sort of pure coverage skills, it's, he's not near the top of the guys in his class. But he is a very, like you said, elite athlete. And like you see the reps where he can do it. To me, he's, he's probably a, a better version of Kevin King coming out. Yeah. In that Kevin King tested off the absolute charts. But you kind of watched him and... It's probably probably better say the more physical version of Kevin King coming out, where Kevin King is just like elite athlete, but just like no physicality to his game at Washington. I think Kyler Gordon has a little bit more of that. That you need to play corner in the NFL. You can't just be a finesse dude at corner unless you are, you know, even a more elite athlete than Kyler Gordon is. You got to be the top of the top to be that guy. Mel Kuyper's cornerback rankings are a bit chalkier, kind of the usual suspects up top. Derek Singley Jr. of LSU is his cornerback one. Ahmad Sass Gardner at two. Andrew Booth Jr. at three. McDuffie four. McCreary five. Kyler Gordon six. And then Elam seven. A cornerback I want to talk about once before we get to the other parts of this mock or the other parts of this big board is actually Tariq Woolen of the Senior Bowl. We talked about mm. him a little bit on the previous class. Jim Nagy tweeted out something about he had clocked the fastest mile per hour time of any I think yeah. player in attendance there at the Senior Bowl. Talking to his agent, his agent says he runs in the low, low four threes, high four twos, but he's six foot three, two oh five. Yeah. Is he actually like if he runs even high four threes, low four fours, yeah. he will be wildly, wildly coveted by these defenses that chase length and chase size at the cornerback position. Again, six foot three, two oh five, thirty three and a half inch uh, arms. That is stupid. Stupid if he tests also very fast in the 40. You know what's the biggest red flag for me about Tariq Willen? That he didn't play wide receiver. Wow. Like, you're talking about a guy who is prototypical size, length, speed, like, movement skills. Like, you, you don't have to do much in terms of coordination to play wide receiver. Like, it just is a little worrisome that he is not, like, you get worried about the guys who are not good at football. Yeah despite being that caliber of athlete or it's like too rare of an athlete it's like why there, there's got to be a reason why and, it, and he had like we i think we talked about this last week he had nice reps but he also had some like disaster reps against what we said was not great wide receiver talent there down at mobile before we get to reactions for jeremiah and kuiper on this quarterback class going to shout out two presenting sponsors of the tailgate podcast tailgate podcast is sponsored by western southern financial group while you focus on your roster moves western southern helps advance your money moves buying your first home planning to start a family wondering how to make your money grow western southern's playbook of life insurance investment and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you get started at westernsouthern.com slash pff and also now through the super bowl 
Use promo code SUPER25 for 25% off any PFF subscription. That gets you the draft guide. That gets you all the PFS locked article content, NFL and NCAA green line, the player props tool, fantasy draft guide for next year. Go get your PFF subscription 25% off with promo code SUPER25. The quarterback class is falling for a lot of people. Only quarterback in Daniel Jeremiah's top 32 is Kenny Pickett of Pittsburgh. Every other quarterback listed at 34, 35, and 36 in the order of Corral, Willis, and Howell. And you were talking to him before. He said he's not taking any quarterback in the first round. Good about insider information. <laughs> uh, he, he feels similarly to how I feel in that I don't think you want to draft one. Like, I, I don't see the massive difference between some of these guys as prospects to where it's like, do you want to take Malik Willis at 11 or do you want to take, I'm trying to think, who will be there like in the second round, whether it's uh, you know Desmond Ritter at the middle of the second round if you're Washington. Like, that's a massive gap in probably any other position, and those guys just aren't that different yeah. on anyone's draft board right now. And, and truthfully, shouldn't be that much different on anyone's draft board because they haven't separated themselves uh, or played – that quality of football or, or shown that level of consistency. There's just not a lot to buy into, and it's going to come down to development with literally every single one of these guys. These are red shirt type of guys, probably the most, I don't know, maybe NFL ready. We talked about Ritter, but even he's 207 pounds. The dude's a stick, needs to get bigger physically. Like there's a lot of guys that need to improve in a lot of different ways, and I love that he kind of punted on it in his rankings and goes, yeah, he, he had pick at the top. But then he goes Corral, Willis, Howell, 34, 35, 36 in the draft board. Just basically saying, like, they're right. They're all the yeah. same. Like basically, what I kind of just said about these guys are all whatever that, again, it's going to come down a lot to scheme you run, how you feel about their interviews, how you feel about them fitting into your culture, whatever. But again, I'm not going to be, I don't want to be the one to take, use that valuable pick, even if it's on a, super strong class despite that lack of talent right and we've talked about it a ton about the lack of talent in this quarterback class i still think at least two probably three come off the board in the first round i mean with team needs with team needs you know the new orleans saints in desperate need of quarterback washington maybe looking to add a quarterback there's going to be teams that are going to push for this fifth year option and pick up one of these quarterbacks i think two or three go in the first round but i also said like there's developmental tools here like you want you you still want to if you don't have a guy, you still want to get a guy because you want. If you are so, say you're the Saints, like you're you're not you're a good enough roster that you're never going to get the guy. Like if there is one that is going to come out, you're never going to get him. So you want a guy in the fold. I just you don't want to throw him to the fire. It's kind of the bigger thing. You don't want to get a guy thinking he's going to be your QB one for the foreseeable future. You want to go get a guy in terms of like a long term investment. Like this is a guy who's going to be on the bench for one year, possibly two. That you can hope you can mold into the guy of the future, but that's, that's really it to me. I do you, I, I'm not of the opinion that Kenny Pickett has this healthy lead over a corral Willis and Howell either. I'd almost, if you're going to bundle up Willis, Howell and corral, unless you're like banking on Pickett being able to come in and play now. And that's why you're putting him ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I like the tools of corral Willis and Howell, maybe even Ritter over Pickett. If I'm picking Pickett inside the top 20 and able to find these guys in the second round. I, I agree. Like I think Pickett could possibly have one of the higher floors in this quarterback class but purely from playing a lot of football exactly. and he's yes. one of the few quarterbacks that played at a high level in the ACC right he played at a high level 
And Howell did it as well, right? Howell did it as well in the year prior, but everyone kind of souring on him after he lost all of his tools, all of his tools, all of his talent there at UNC. He has all of his tools. My toolbox. I don't know. I think think the – I'd be stunned if Pickett is the first quarterback off the board at this point. I agree, especially with the hand size. Like, you have to be chasing – in this class, I would rather chase – the th- to me, the three guys who have the best tools, which is Matt Corral, Sam Howell, Malik Willis. I, if I want to draft quarterback in this draft class, those are the guys I'm chasing. The other guys, Ritter, Pickett, I think can be solid quarterbacks. I don't think you're chasing too much high end with either, though. Any other notables from Daniel Jeremiah's top 50? I know you had some other names listed The, the two I wanted to highlight that are kind of non... Actually, I want to highlight three that are kind of non-valuable positions. One's Quay Walker, Georgia linebacker, a guy we haven't talked about much. Comes in at 31 on the draft board for Daniel Jeremiah. To me, he reminds me too much of a Jamin Davis. And he almost like outlines it himself in the write-up here where he said uh, in zone coverage, he doesn't have great anticipation, which right there, it's like that's a linebacker's (laughs) zone coverage anticipation is like 95% of your job in coverage. Um, And he calls him a run and hit linebacker, but he's 240 pounds. Like a run and hit linebacker is usually your 220 pound guy. Yeah. You don't want the 240 pounder. You want that to be your take on. So, like, there's like a lot of kind of oddities in Quay Walker's profile to where you're one, a linebacker that high, whatever. I think that might be a guy who, like, we like we highlighted with Tutu Atwell on his first board last year. We're like, that might be a guy that drops down by subsequent boards. The other one's Isaiah Spiller at 33. To me, the running back out of Texas AM, to me, he just doesn't have the the sort of athletic profile of a running back, you just put that highly. Like, you think he's going to be like a 4'6 guy, middling sort of testing, good size, whatever, breaks tackles well, not elite tackle breaker. But it's just like that guy's not a, in my opinion, to put a running back that highly, he better have some high-end traits. I don't see it as Isaiah Spiller. And then lastly, Isaiah Likely. He has his top 50, the Coast Carolina tight end. Yeah, we've called, you know, glorified wide receiver. Didn't even inline block for the Chanticleers. I don't think he took on a guy at the line of scrimmage all year long. And look good as, as a receiver. Probably him and Trey, Trey McBride was probably one at the senior bowl in terms of receiving ability. He looked like number two, clearly, and like has that potential. But I think a lot of teams, at least early on in his career, aren't even going to treat him as a tight end. Like They're just going to match and nickel, yeah. and you're not going to get a run, def- run blocker, even though he has the want to. So... Uh, I think that's another guy that might just be lower throughout the process, depending on how he goes to combine and tests in terms of size and speed, whatever. Also gave Jalen Tolbert some love, put him at 43 in the South Alabama receiver. You could see him probably rising after what was a really good senior bowl for him. And I thought, yeah, I thought that was notable. I'm not, that's not one where I'm like vastly disagreeing that, but that's about as high as I've seen someone on Jalen Tolbert. Yeah. The other thing I'd add is we had, this is a, one of the few draft classes I can remember in recent memory that people are not putting a running back consistently in the first round. I mean, you're not seeing, running backs mocked at the back end of first rounds consistently. You had him here, Isaiah Spiller, the 33-ranked player, and he's also ranked ahead of his QB2. I mean, that, well, and he's ranked ahead of Kenneth Walker. That's RB1 from no Kenneth Walker in his top 50. Oh, wow. Which wow. blows my mind. Running back probably going to be a day-two position here in 2022. Before we get to the delete the tweet and the power ranking segment here on Tailgate Live from Los Angeles, last sponsor here, Manscaped. Roses are red, violets are blue. Don't let a wild pube Wreck you. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. The V-Day, it's V-Day. 
It's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, including Mike Renner and myself and our producers, the leaders in Below the Waist Grooming, with an exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. If you're going into Valentine's Day and you're bushed up, down low. It's not going to work, okay? It's not going to work. The holidays went by so quickly. You better you... trust your game. Exactly. And your, your game's only going to get you to a point, right? There's also this yeah. shutdown opportunity once the beast True. is released. The holidays went by so quickly. Did you remember to take care of your package with the best tools for the job? The Performance Package 4.0 for Manscaped is just the thing every guy needs in their life to make every make each and every day just a little more special. I'd like to propose making February 13th the national holiday is National Shave Your Balls Day. Who's with me? I think this is one for holiday. This is one holiday that men and women can get behind. Get 20% off and free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with Manscaped, uh, with code PFF at manscaped.com. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. Now that we're living together, we can even split up. You know, we can share. Nope. No? <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> Um, just in case, like mine gets dull, I'm, I'm grinding the tape. If you need one, my bathroom is off limits. You That's fair. That's fair. Our bathrooms in. are split. Yes. But if you, I'll sneak in a couple blades, though. A couple of manscaped <laughs> blades. Uh, let's get to the delete the tweet. The delete I already the t- saw. Okay, I don't. I don't even know if I want to say this, but I already saw in the bathroom on the in where was it the in Mobile. Yeah. The soap had like a rogue pube on it that I was just not Did touching it? that soap. Bar, there was a bar of soap that had like a long something oh, on there. You don't know if that's a pube though. I, I, I don't there know. was no shampoo in I was going to say, I, I guess it, it could have easily been your chest. I used it on my head. With We have different amounts of chest hair, that's for sure. Yeah, that's true. You, you, do you shave your chest hair? Sometimes. Sometimes I'm Manscaped. I've always been a hairy guy. I'm not. That's why I have Manscaped. That's why they're sponsoring the show. That's why I look like I'm boy still. Alright, delete your tweet segment. If you're new to Tailgate, we highlight a tweet that either Mike or myself has tweeted in the past that we probably should have deleted on send. You go ahead and go first. Yeah, I was going deep back through old ones. Back when I had like no one reading my stuff. Oh, I love this guy too. I was a big fan. And this was, this wasn't just this. This was back from April 29, 2016. Day two of the NFL draft. And I was giving the Bears, I'll I'll read it. Bears draft is straight crushing it. (laughs) That's the worst. Even if one sec, one sec. Even if Bullard can't rush the passer, he can do this versus the run. It was a clip of Jonathan Bullard, the Florida defensive tackle, uh, making a pretty nasty play against the run. Now, that was their third pick of the draft. Their first pick of that draft was Leonard Floyd. Their second pick was Cody Whitehair, who I liked a lot. That was probably why I said they're straight crushing him. And then the third was Jonathan Bullard, and they objectively did not straight crush it. That was one of Ryan Pace's masterpieces in that. He got almost zilch out of those first three picks. Cody Whitehair, solid center slash guard, but definitely not, you know, if that's where you're hanging your hat on with picks 9, 56, and 72, you did not straight crush it. I was a big Jonathan Bullard fan as well. I, I wouldn't say what? I, I said I know. I was. Oh, too. Oh, oh. I don't know what happened. I wouldn't say the Bears draft is straight crushing it. Did you go like this when you tweeted that? I said, yeah, boys. And the Bears shotgun. draft straight crushing it. Meet me at the banks. All right. Uh, my delete the tweet was from April 27, 2019. Kind of recent. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people liked it. Ooh, Danny Kelly, who's sitting over there from the ringer, replied to this and said, yep, really liking Philadelphia and the Indianapolis drafts. Let's go. I said, Andre Dillard at number 22, Miles Sanders at number 53, and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. I typoed this, but in a different pick. Still reached on running back a little bit, but this Eagles draft, still pretty sexy. Love all three of those players a lot. All right, which one's worse? Still crushing it, straight crushing think, it, or I pretty think, sexy? I think yours is worse because it's barely even, like, legible. <laughs> Mine is worse because it's just totally not something I'd say. Like, I would never say, sexy. like, sexy like that. But Danny Kelly replied, so 
all is all is well. All is well. If you ever yeah. see some tweets that we need to delete, please send them in to Tailgate. Our DMs are open on Twitter, Instagram, etc. Let's power rank. This is a yes. new segment on Tailgate. If you're new to Tailgate, power ranking something in the football era. This is like world. the most ubiquitous podcast segment in existence. I love this. I know. I it's know. A great you know. Se- I came up. You with came it. up with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, we're this going, is ranking, going to start doing? ranking how upset you'd be based on the number of pubes you'd see in your sink mm. now that we're back in I think living together. one. One is the worst or a bushel? <laughs> any any number over one ranks that number we're one. We're going to have to power spot. rank worst roommate behavior. <laughs> okay, Next spot, that'll next be. pod, ro- well, worst roommate behavior. That, that's one for like six months in yeah, about like what's that. getting on there. I like that. But, yeah. I like that. No, that's I'm just saying in general, like, what, what's the worst thing a roommate could do? I remember I got my eggs stolen a couple times. Where people are like, you have like a dozen eggs or whatever in the fridge, yeah. and then you go in, like, you only got six left. It's like, who the fuck is taking my eggs? Or like, they'll take a little scoop of your protein powder or a little strip of your milk. I hate the little, the little stealing because it's hard to catch it, right? Mm-hmm. It's not as big as like, hey, someone like yeah. drove my car to the grocery store as much as like, no, I can tell you guys are out here fucking grinding or my laundry detergent or whatever. The maddest I did, was ever was going back to my roommate who had the dog, who again was not the most attentive with this dog. It was a little mini dachshund. And so, like, it just poops and pees all the time. And so that was kind of like the thing. It's like he it wasn't home enough to really give it the attention. It was a puppy. So, yeah, like, yeah. potty training it, whatever, didn't go well. The most probably upset I ever was was in the middle of the night. And I had, like, been studying. It was like I had something the next day. I can't even remember what it just was. Just crushing it. I'm walking to the bathroom, like, 4 a.m., and I just stepped full oh. foot on a dog turd. Oh. And I was, like, <laughs> about to just kill. I'm like, I would have killed it. It was right there. My I would have killed my roommate. also had a, uh, was it, a dachshund? And it yeah. peed all the time. It was a fucking yeah, disaster. Yeah, It would pee anytime someone walked in. It was, like, so excited. Yeah. It just, like, piss itself. It's like, Did I ever tell great. a story about how the dog came on me? <laughs> <laughs> can, we save, can we save that for the Wednesday? Okay, we'll so? save that one for the Wednesday. Save that for so. the cold open on Wednesday, please. Right. I need that. Yeah, I'll save that I one. I need I'm, that. I'll but let's tease that one in. Add yeah. that to the doc. Power ranking. This is what we're actually power ranking. Super Bowl venues. Yeah. Now, this is where you feel the best place would be to hold a Super Bowl. The week included, right? People don't realize it's more than just a game. The week included, everyone kind of comes out, food vendors, all that shit. The week included, I'll start. Number one, it hasn't happened yet, but when it does, <laughs> it's going to be lit, I'm sure. Las Vegas. See, I, I couldn't put that because it yes, hasn't happened can. yet. Yes, Las Vegas Super Bowl is going to be insane. Like, legitimately insane. Okay. I mean, I know it well. We it were will. there for the East-West Shrine Bowl, and it was, was nuts. It was yeah. nuts. Uh I mean, you're it's right. expensive. You're though. correct. If you factor in cost, yeah, it's going to be a nightmare. But I think Vegas is going to be lit. You are correct. I, uh, Crushing okay. it. Even. Here's my. Sexy one. I'm going to straight crush it. All right, my number one. I didn't include Vegas. I didn't. I haven't included. This LA. is the worst number one I've ever seen. Okay, Arizona. <laughs> what? Cost of like cost of stuff, not bad. It's played on turf, played on actual natural grass in a retractable dome in a weather city that's going to be fantastic in February. Never rains. Scottsdale's out of this world. There's out of this world. Lot. Have you been to Vegas? I'm just saying. There's a lot to like about Arizona. It's very underrated. I'm interested. The followers have done, or the followers, the Gators. The Gators have done a good job in the YouTube comments, commenting on who they feel wins. Yeah. I think you won one of the first power rankings. I won the second. Yeah. The, the but, Super Bowl food items. I definitely won. Yeah, yeah. I think you did. I hated on the meatball stuff. But yeah. my number two, and it's, we share a number two, so we can yes. just kind of steal here. New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I've never been to a New Orleans Super Bowl, but I have been to New Orleans multiple times and every time it's fantastic the food unique and fantastic the bourbon street but in addition to bourbon street frenchman's quarter frenchman street also fantastic the drinking scene huh it's called the french quarter 
No, but there's also Frenchman Street. Oh, okay. Frenchman Street is like this like local place where they only gotcha. play like live jazz. You don't know New Orleans for all like, I know <laughs> New said- Orleans. But no, New Orleans number two. I think I haven't been for a Super Bowl, but I think that would be a sweet one. It is just it's built for big events. events. Yeah, big, yeah, it's big built for events. Parties. Like basically it is a party. So yes. Last one here. And, and this one I you know I don't know. I, I'm splitting hairs between some of the other facilities or venues, but I like Miami. South Beach okay. for the Super Bowl. I know Eric Eager, who's sitting over there, went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and said Miami was sick. I mean, how Miami, uh, you can kind of get a theme here. Miami, Vegas, New Orleans. I want to party. We yeah. want to we party when we go to the Super Bowl. It's kind of obvious. Yeah, I don't know if my number three is great, but I, Dallas. Dude, the, the, t- the Gators are going to hate this list. Gators are going to hate this Arizona, list. Arizona, New Orleans, which we share, and then Dallas. Yeah. D- nice. Dallas. Underrated city, and also it's like the complex is unbelievable. That's star. It's just it is. So, Fair enough. There you Fair go. Enough. There's my well, top. Three. That's gonna do it for the Monday. And episode. I'll just throw in never cold weather. Minnesota, Indy, New yeah. Jersey, terrible venues. Indy national championship game, awesome national championship game, whatever. And it is a good it is a good host city for things. Yeah. Not gonna hate Combine's on Indy. Great. I like Indy. But people were rolling out of that stadium. Georgia fans, and it was more Alabama fans, into 15-degree weather, wanting to just end it all <laughs> right there. I was about to actually go a little dark with that and probably stop, but that is not what you want. Like, you want to, if you, to lick your wounds, you want to have to, good weather, go out, yeah, drink yourself to sleep if you just had a tough L. Kind of like you, you did do with not the Notre Dame-Cincy game. Exactly. We came out of Notre Dame-Cincy on a, on a terror. Yes. You do not want Hunting to go out beers. into... You do not want to go Good out beer into hunting. the ice. That's just the worst way to go. So, all right. That's, that's going to do it for this episode of Tailgate. Make sure you reach out, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you find your podcast. Also, follow along on YouTube. We're going to be in L.A. all week, t- t- turning out a ton of content. I'm excited for it. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner. Straight still crushing it. it. Straight, straight crushing it. Uh, tailgate. Tailgate.